Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Change on the Run podcast, where we discuss common change challenges and ways you can address them when you're short of time. And I'm your host, Phil Buckley. Today's topic is creating a change plan. A change plan is the most important document for implementing change. Often at the beginning of a big change, speed becomes the mantra and you feel like you've fallen behind even before you've started. The want to have a plan can be stronger than the need to create one that works. So how do you create an effective change plan that will help people adopt new ways of thinking, acting, and behaving? And my guest today is Jess Riley. Jess, welcome to the show. Hi, Phil. Thanks for having me. Oh, thanks for being on. I've been looking forward to, to chatting about this for weeks. And Jess is the global HR business partner at Mondelez International and has over 10 years of global change experience. She holds a Master's of Science, Learning and Organizational Change from Northwestern University and a Bachelor of Arts, Psychology and Business Administration from the University of Arizona. So Jess, I know you've built so many change plans in your career. What makes a good one? It's a great question, Phil. Um, I was kind of laughing when we were, I was thinking about you know, what I'd say during this podcast because I can't say making change plans are my favorite thing to do. <laughs> but I've made many. I've made many. And yeah, I would say what makes a good change plan? I, okay, so let me back up a little second. Why don't I love when I hear the term, we need a change plan? And typically, to give some background or context on that, it's because leaders often ask for the plan you know, maybe the second day you've started at the project, maybe a little too premature. You know what I mean? I felt we were in that same situation. We worked together. It was like, okay, we need a plan. Well, do we know what the change is? <laughs> <laughs> so what makes a good plan is I think really understanding what the change actually is and doing a big portion of the plan up front is really around the diagnostics. What is the change? What's the vision for the change? Do people understand the vision? What's the burning platform? So really building that awareness and understanding who's impacted by this change, what's the level of impact, I think is a critical component of the change plan. And often leaders ask for the change plan of what's going to happen without kind of thinking about the diagnostic or the learning component of understanding the change and those impacts first and foremost. Yeah. So I think that's a key component. I don't know what your thoughts are, but. I, I agree. And, and what's your thought on why leaders have that compulsion? Because it, it's consistent. I know when we were working together, the pressure was on. Why do you think leaders kind of default to the, I need the change plan now, even before the change is, is fully understood or, or even fleshed out? It's a good question. I think this is an assumption I never validated maybe with the leader saying, why do you really feel a need to have this plan right away? I think it's pressure and plans make people feel comfortable, predictable, understanding what's going to happen. You know, with change, there's so much uncertainty and they know there's going to be a transition. So seeing a plan and something on paper makes it maybe feel real, predictable, understandable. So I get the desire. I think sometimes it's an aggressive ask early on because we have haven't done the right due diligence, even if it's quick, having the right conversations with the right people can really make a more informative plan. But there are some frameworks or things that you can maybe stick to if you needed to create something really quickly that is still doable and can meet the leader's need while still leaving more time to do the right level of investigation and conversations. No, certainly. And, and I, I think it typically I find that there is a we need a plan by Friday. So you, you're, you're time boxed into coming up with that and, and having a framework that you can almost fill that out so that it's somewhat of a plan to go forward. What's the downside of that 
time pressure of we need a plan immediately. What are the consequences when, you know, people sort of in our field comply and say, okay, I've yeah. given you the five-day plan. What What's the downside of doing that? I think there are several. One is, I think when I have short or like done what the leader kind of asked, if you will, it's not reflective of the real change. I think sometimes I maybe put something together and it doesn't give a full view of how impactful this change might be to certain people. I'm making assumptions. And I think in change assumptions are really dangerous because you know, you really, <laughs> if you assume something's not going to be a big impact or this will be easy, or, you know, this level of communication is probably only what's necessary. You're planting seeds and the leader around expectations that might not be realistic. So I think rushing anything, you're leveraging assumptions that haven't been validated and you're creating and planting early expectations for the leader that might not be fulfilled. Do you find that it's almost when the plan is there, it, it, in a way it, it's set in sand that this is what we're going to do and additional expectations are this is what we're going to do moving forward regardless of the assumptions <laughs> being right or, or new information forming. Exactly, exactly. How do you manage that? It's one of those challenges I think that we're always faced that there's the pressure of complying and, and if you don't comply then I think there's even a greater risk that you know you lose face, you lose you know respect or trust or confidence confidence in your ability. But in if you do comply completely, you're setting yourself up for potential failure. What's that sweet spot that you can do both? What I, I like to try to, or at least this has worked I think there's many different approaches, but this has worked well for me in the past, is to kind of give almost a framework of, if you think about almost, this is, might be kind of a, a technical or framework-y comment that I don't always love to say, but if you think about the change curve, one thing that I like to say to leaders is if we want to move people from awareness to actually adopting the change, from an awareness perspective, there's a lot more conversations we need to have, communication, stakeholder analysis, whatever it might be, those tools, but the upfront awareness building and understanding of the change is a big component. So you might kind of frame something for a leader saying, okay, if we're going to do go from awareness to adoption, these are the key activities that might need to happen. Please note, I always put a disclaimer, may change <laughs> as we learn more information. But there could be a level of a high level of awareness building, understanding of the change. And then depending on what the change is, oftentimes a lot of the changes that I've worked on do require a level of capability building, meaning training or education. And so you might say, look, you know, depending on what we learn about the change, the interventions that we create and build into the plan may take some time, may look a little different. Some guesses or ideas I might have might be the following, but still like having that disclaimer of these things can evolve as we learn more, you know, is really important. But if you can kind of lay out the thinking, I think, of what you're thinking about and frame it as that, it seems that it doesn't create false expectations, but that you have, at least you're sharing that you have a thought process. <laughs> oh, so true. And I think you know? your perspective of sharing your thought process, you know, which gives confidence, but then also making sure that they're okay with the flexibility required, like a strategy yeah. would require as well. But they, you know, so it's almost a two-way conversation of, you know, are you with this? So, and, and what I found is to say, I fully expect that it will change because as we know, you know, so many things will change with what our focus and what our priorities are or the resources we'll have. Does that make sense? Do you have an example of that happening? Because I know so many of your changes have been huge, like they're global, they're pan organization, they're, they're multiple elements, you know, whether it's technology or culture, 
or even process. Yeah. How do you come to that accord with many different types of leaders with, with different needs? Yeah. Oh, I, if I knew how to answer that simply, I'd be like, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I had my pen Change ready through. to write it down so I could use it. <laughs> so they, there's been times where I've created plans and leaders really expect something in that plan. Whether it might be, typically leaders have preferences when it comes to communication strategies. So obviously with change, people need to know that it's coming. <laughs> so communication sometimes has a big element to it, training or education. But I would say the communication standpoint is where I've had some hangups with leaders where they might say, you know, we really need posters in the office or, you know, we really need this newsletter. And, you know, you might say, great, I'm, you know, why did those things work so well for you in the past? And sometimes they might say, well, maybe they don't really work. Or they might say, well, they really work well. I've seen them work well. And then you realize the target audience when they work well is not the target audience that we're trying to tackle for this particular change. So sometimes I think it's really important to understand what why leaders have preferences for certain things or hoping to see certain things in change plans. But if you can really make sure that you're saying focus on the audience or the, those impacted by the change, that might help you know, say, oh, you know, great suggestion. However, what we've learned from this group or in this culture, in this region, they really prefer this way of working. And so therefore, this is our proposal. Any thoughts or feedback? So when you're kind of still taking in the considerations from leaders, but then adapting it and making sure that they stay focused on who's impacted by the change and the target audience of things, usually you can help make that shift. But yeah, I, I it is hard to manage stakeholder expectations and you know adapt a change plan as you go along, but one size does not always fit all for sure. And I remember a, a stat that was saying, you know, 42% of the key stakeholder, you know, sponsors or the leader that's running it, when a change hasn't done well, they weren't even aware of their role when when they were asked sort of post-event. Yeah. So what was your role? Well, I'm not really sure, but you know, I tried to do my best. So it seems like the more upfront you can manage, the better. And, and what's important when, when you're, you know, launching a change plan or you're giving updates to leaders, whether it's in a committee or to a leadership group, what's important that they know? And, and also perhaps, you know, on, on the converse, what don't you focus on because it's, it's really irrelevant to them and what they need to do to make the plan successful? I, I feel like if I if someone said, okay, you have two minutes with the stakeholder of the Steerco meeting, I think it needs to be prioritized. What decisions do we really need from these people? You know, oftentimes in a change, we might say, look, we really need a decision on X, where we have a disagreement about maybe it's an org change and we're not really sure a key stakeholder responsibility and we need your approval on ownership of something or we need a go live is holding us up from, you know, implementing a training program. So we need... Whatever the decision might be, I think that's critical to bring forward to them or any risks related to the change. Sometimes I've often shared, even at stakeholder reviews, look, the feedback we're getting on the ground is not so positive. And therefore, we're requesting you, you know, come forward or join this meeting. So any requests or decisions and creating the voice of those impacted by the change and bringing that forward can often be helpful. Typically what happens to us when we go into a, a steering committee or a leadership team meeting and, okay, you've got 45 minutes, so you plan a presentation for 45 minutes and they say, we're running behind, so we've got five, go for it. And I've been caught in the past and, and have learned, you know, put your most important requests, you know, forward right up front. And also don't waste time on sort of details that, you know, yeah. and I think there's this, this human desire to tell leaders how hard the team is working and, you know, the challenges we had to overcome. Right. <laughs> 
we're doing our best. But when you look at the success of a change, that's perhaps the least relevant other than them recognizing the team. It's all about what do you need to do to, to make it successful? Totally. And oftentimes I've had situations where I haven't run into the case because I think this is a key priority that I make whenever I'm facilitating or leading a change is you have to have the connects with the leaders. Oftentimes leaders want to kind of say, okay, you guys are empowered, go off and, you know, facilitate the change and let me know if you have any problems. When really leaders play such a critical role that I would say having a check-in minimum every two weeks or three, it depends on the scale and size of the change, but keeping them informed, updated, clear on the decisions and progress are critical or else to your point that you made earlier, leaders lose sight of their role in this process. And I think keeping them connected, engaged and utilizing them to give direction sometimes is absolutely essential. So I would say part of the change plan is making sure you have those appropriate stakeholder connections with the right leaders. Any tips for people who are listening where the leader is, quote, so busy, she or he is just never around or you can't get on the the calendar, but you know how important their role is and their intent is to be supportive, but their calendar doesn't facilitate that. How do you you break the the time starvation that typically we have with with the most senior leaders? I feel like I'm going to say like a Phil Buckley, like advice or something you taught me. Well, one is I feel like before you start any change, building a relationship with those key stakeholders is absolutely essential. I've been lucky to really invest that time and energy up front. So I feel like they were able to make the windows for me. But a couple tips if they're, if you're not getting that you know, space. One is who are their influencers? If you can create a relationship with somebody else that could influence getting on their calendar or leveraging that person to send the calendar invite because you know that they're going to accept it from so-and-so, but maybe they're like, who are you? (laughs) Um, That often helps. So leveraging an influencer for that influencer you need to connect with. But two, I think from the very beginning, hopefully you have a conversation with that critical leader and you can manage that contract with them from the beginning. We would really like to be able to connect with you every three weeks. Can we put a standing invite? Can we make sure we're working with your, maybe it's an assistant or an admin that can really help with calendarization and you can build a relationship with that admin if this is a very senior executive position and there's some sort of support. So I think building the relationship up front is critical managing the expectations and how frequently you want to meet. And then if you run into issues, leveraging those that have influence, I think can be effective. And and I know in, in your roles over the years, not only have you created so many plans, but you've evaluated them too. Like you, you, you were accountable for a whole team of change leads with multiple projects and those plans would come to you for assessment and evaluation. What have you found that like the common pitfalls on a, a, a change plan that you'd say, hmm, you know, I don't see this or I see too much of this that from your experience would lead to a, a less than excellent result? Oh, gosh, there's so many. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I mean, I think the biggest pitfalls is when things are rushed. You know, it's funny, we're talking about change on the run, but like sometimes change takes a little bit of time. You know, it's really risky when people push deadlines, when systems aren't in place. Like that's where project management and change really have to be in lockstep sometimes is when there's risks to the change. It doesn't matter how much communication you do or how much training you do. If something is not going to go right in the system or some something's not aligned and there's a substantial risk. That's where I see change pitfalls happen is because there are factors outside of kind of the control of the change lead that create a problem. Um, So we've had, I've had many situations where 
you know, change management or the change is blamed when really a lot of the project decisions that went into accelerating a timeline or doing a go live before we are ready were reckless. And so I think a pitfall is please, as a change person, raise the flags as, you know, as things come up saying, look, we've done our due diligence or we haven't done enough training and education. I'm concerned that even after we, you know, go the green light is flashed people are not going to embrace this so raising those risks when i've it's not necessarily the plans might look good but if the conversations and the risk discussions are not happening then i see more pitfalls in the process so that i think is a key one is risks and issues accelerating timelines lack of resources that really is the thing that impacts the change Oh, so true. And do you have an example? Because I think we, we all face this when the external factors fr- from the change plan have, have changed, you know, the, the technology isn't ready or, you know, the sandbox isn't working or whatever, but it, it's not reflected in the conversations and we're kind of the traffic light, we're green, we're good to go, yeah. but people know that we're not. Uh, do you have an example of that happening? And, and what was the impact of that, of the we're all good and then we're not all good and, and all of a sudden it blows up? Yeah, I mean, I would say probably some of the team, the team members that I had on my team, they made a couple leaders made a couple decisions to go ahead with a system implementation, and it did not go well. I think there were risks that were flagged, and they felt like, oh, well, you know, if we just go ahead, we can figure those out on the other side almost. It was sort of like, this can't be as bad as you're, you're raising it to be. And then sure enough, it is. So I think, you know, I, I feel, I'm trying to think of there, if there's some other examples where I think people were also said, okay, we've done enough. They almost got burned out of the change. Like we've been talking about this for so long. So some people get a little impatient. It's almost like, all right, let's just go. I feel like we've done so much training. We've done so much education. And so the leader who maybe not is involved and intimate and can see some of the obstacles you're facing, is like, okay, what's taking so long? Let's go. And then it's a little premature. And then we're, you know, dealing with on the other side of the change, trying to like clean up messes that could have been prevented from the beginning. So there's ranging scales of the consequence that I've seen or experienced, but I think most of the time it's as a consequence of potentially leaders making decisions. Maybe there are unforeseen circumstances that have come into play. I can't think of one off the top of my head, Mm -hmm. but really not having a leader that's clear on the consequences of the decision is pressured to move quickly. I've seen that result in, you know, bad outcomes. We'll figure it out really resonates with me because I've heard that so many times. Well, we'll, you know, don't worry about it. We'll we'll work on it in the next phase. And that keeps rolling until, you know, it never gets worked out. And, you know, as a change lead, I think it takes a lot of guts to be able to stand up, but you don't want to be the messenger that's shot, which we know happens so often. How do you stand up with the, the courage to go, we're not ready and, you know, without being seen as a doomsdayer? Yeah, I think I've learned this from you, a tip that I've watched you, Phil, actually do. Positioning it as, I want this to be successful. I care about this change. I'm willing to do what I can do. I don't want to be seen as a blocker, but I do want to raise a couple of risks that I see. If we do X, Y, Z, this is what I'm afraid is going to happen. Or I want to make this successful, but in the past, in a similar circumstance, X, Y, and Z happened and the consequences were Y, and therefore this is why I'm raising this. And I feel like I can't support it going forward. Ultimately, in many cases, I'm not the ultimate decision maker. But if I phrase it in a way that it's coming from a place of, 
I care about this. I want this to be successful. Don't worry, I'm willing to support and be, you know, a champion, but really raise it. I think people are more open to hear you versus I'm just, you know, just raising the risks with no solution or no plan A or B if you're raising the problem. I think phrasing in a way that shows commitment, phrasing the risk and, and sharing some ideas or consequences, I think often I've been able to influence. And whether or not it's stopping something, at least we're going into it with our eyes open. And I found that you know, there, there's certain leaders or project teams where in their mind, they're, they're so fixed on going anyway, so that there are points where regardless of what you say or how you say it, they're moving anyway. And I found that if you make your case, great, and they don't buy it, you have one more shot maybe to make your case again, but mm-hmm. to continually be coming back, then, then you become, you become <laughs> the blocker and, and the, right. you have to hopefully have the wisdom that you move on at the appropriate time so you don't lose credibility too. That's true. That's true. I mean, once you've raised it and you've raised it again, it's sort of like, okay, well, <laughs> now it's moving forward and be, become part of the team. And, you know, you can either tell yourself secretly later, I was right, or, you know, hey, maybe I was a little too nervous or too risk adverse and it ended up working out okay, a good learning point for me. But I do agree. At some point you have to kind of like move forward. Right. And sometimes you could be wrong. And what I love about change management, regardless of how much experience you have, you can always be wrong because of so many different factors. And and the plan is, as you say, a construct built on assumptions, wrong assumptions, the wrong plan. Yes, absolutely. I found too that, you know, you go live. So you have, you've done all this preparation, you've worked through a plan and, you know, you've gone live and and there's a certain amount of time where you make sure that sort of people are adopting it, but it tends to be a fairly short period of time for, you know, four weeks or six weeks, but all the benefits really, or most of them are far further along than that. And, you know, with the plan, you could put something in it. In two months, we're going to do this and we're going to do update the leaders. But often leaders have moved on to something else and they're on the next one. How do you motivate leaders after the plan, you know, you've launched to actually complete the plan so you get the value? Oh, it's so hard. And it, I was kind of laughing to myself because I'm like, not only does the plan end, but so do the resources. And now the change leads moved on to a new change. So true. <laughs> okay, where I've seen this work well, actually. Okay, wh- there was a particular change. We were building a capability uh, approach. This was in research development quality. And this worked really well because we had champions whose kind of role remained in the system. Where I've seen it to be a problem is when the resources, like we just laughed about, like the change leads gone, (laughs) the project team's dismantled. Well, yeah, it's going to be kind of hard to maintain this. So hopefully when projects or change programs or transformations are initiated, there's budgeting and planning and thinking, well, after we go live, let's keep these people, you know, resourced for a good amount of time to help support the organization and kind of morphing into this new way of working. When those resources are taken away, there's no question that you're going to be a little bit less successful of maintaining the plan. But if you do have limited resources, a great way to sustain the change is you're bringing other people and stakeholders along the journey and they understand the role post a go live or going forward, how those things adapt. And I I have seen, and what I was referring to in this one, you know, function of the organization that I supported is they did have these champions that really embraced the change and took on the capability and training and transformation kind of after sort of like our big launches because it became part of their job. 
job almost. Wow. And so I think that that becomes kind of a great way to sustain, right? Because a sustain is like a, a, you want to embrace a new way of thinking, a new capability for a long period of time, whether it's a new system. So if you have those people that have embraced it almost as their job, you're more likely to be successful even when the project team is no longer there. What that brings to mind is, is these people are being rewarded for doing it as well. So it's part of their... Yeah. That's true. Appraisals too, which is which is great. No, that's that's always been the challenge that everybody moves on, and and then a year after the the change, well, we didn't get the benefits that we we wanted to do, and it, it might not be the plan, and it might not be the team, right? It didn't embed well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then going back to sort of working on through the plan, and you know, you're reporting back, and things are going well, and then all of a sudden, something major has changed. The decision to delay for for two months of the go live or resources get cut or whatever, where you have to sort of recast or change the plan. How do you do that on the fly? Because you've got this beautiful plan, you've presented it, everyone's sort of in line and working through it. And now you've got to make some fundamental change. How do you do that when you're also speeding along Uh, those new constraints? Well, I have to say when there's been things of delays, at least in my experience, it's been like, oh, wow, yes, like we could use the extra time. So I can't really think of many instances where like if there's a delay that everyone is not almost rejoicing because it's like, okay, we are rushing from the beginning. So great, now we have more time to actually get done what we thought, what we think we really need to get done. So sometimes there's blessings in delays. You, you're more thorough. You can, some of those risks that you were gonna, you know, just kind of brush aside, you can actually focus on and solve. So, you know, if a delay is presented, you know, take it with pride and potentially it's a, a nice gift that can actually really help shape a journey. But there's been sometimes decisions where org changes have been made that you're like, oh, wow, I was surprised by that. There have been moments where the change is no longer applicable. And I think you have to relook at it. As a consequence of this, the direction we are going in doesn't make sense anymore. Or actually, I, I don't feel like the impact that we were intending to have will really have that same outcome. And therefore, I don't want to say go back to the drawing board, but kind of recontract with your senior stakeholder or sponsor. You know, we've been in org designs where we've done all this change and a few months later, you know, another change comes about and you're like, oh, wow, all of that. But I I think it's sort of like you have to kind of remain adaptable. You have to keep managing expectations with senior stakeholders around the consequences of decisions that come about. But yeah, it kind of really depends on what the decision is or what that factor is. But I think that the best thing is to be agile and the, the objectives may be changing because the org structure is different, but then th- there seems to be a desire, which, which makes total sense that the project team wants to keep going because that's how they're, you know, that's yeah. their, their love and their passion and, and that's how they're being rewarded too. But it takes guts again to say, well, does this really make sense or do we need to reprioritize and, and change how we look at it? And I'm wondering sort of when, given that, you know, these change projects go at late speed and it's moving forward, if you had to just focus on one thing that you would do sort of at the beginning of of the the initiative that would give you that 80-20 result, there's not a lot of time, what would you focus on to get the best results of coming up with a plan really quickly? When everyone says, okay, if I need to change something, it's like, well, what's the minimum necessary that needs to change? (laughs) 
I don't know. I mean, I think you have to kind of be like, okay, this is the critical piece. If I had to focus on anything and change this little bit or this minimum aspect of the change, this is what I'd go after. I think if there is anything that is so critical that you always, always have to have in any change is you've got to understand what the change is and the impact. And there needs to be a clear vision of what the change means. If that is not there, you will be completely in a bad place of trying to set up anything successful. If there is not a clear understanding of what is the change, what is the impact, and what is the vision for success, if those three things are not answered, I mean, it's really hard. Now you can get kind of tactical and say, you know, I don't know if you're thinking about it as, okay, it just needs to be this little change. I'll just go talk to those people. And, you know, it, it usually is not like that if you're look, working on big scale change. So really being clear about the case for change, if I had to summarize it, is a critical thing in any change plan because that can fuel everything else. If you don't do that, then you're skating. And how about any, any thoughts about just alignment? Because that leader alignment, it seems like when you have a good case for change, as you say, then it's something that you can focus leaders on. But if you don't, you don't. Like everyone has their own view of what this change is supposed to be. Have you experienced that at all? Oh, yeah. I, I mean, you know what? It's interesting now that I'm thinking about this. I did have one situation where the leader would say, oh, I really want to make this transformational change where we're totally thinking about something in this organization totally differently. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is humongous, right? You have so, We have so much work to do. Oh, but we have no budget. There's no resources. I have no time. And it's sort of like, okay, so sometimes leaders' visions of what they want, the resources and the realities don't match up. And so I think it's the change leads job or, you know, working with the leader to say, okay, you're setting this vision, but given this resource, given this time frame, this is what we can realistically achieve. And so sometimes getting caught up in sort of cool, like, you know, visions of the future Sometimes a change leads responsibility to change brand is bring it back down to reality of, okay, if, if, if really the change is about setting the tone and setting this, and then maybe in the future, we'll get the resources to carry this change forward to this capacity. Great. But I think it's managing expectations given the realities that also is important. So get the vision, get the case for change, but marry that with what's actually practical to get done in a certain period of time. And maybe sometimes the vision can be shifted a little bit as a consequence of that. As we just sort of close off for our talk today, and it's been amazing. Thank you so much. Is That's there great. one sort of tip or a watch out or, or just a, you know, when you're thinking or building a change plan, just make sure you do this or don't do this. What would you say to the listeners? I think we talked about it a little bit today, which is, I mean, absolutely having a strong relationship and connection with leaders and facilitating a change are huge. I don't know one cultural change transformation that doesn't require some level of leadership. And so I think you can't, a piece of advice is really make sure that that conversation, connection, contracting is done up front with that leader and they're carried through the journey with you. I think the change plan can be morphed, changed, adapted. But when you have that leader and stakeholder support, leaders or stakeholder support along the way, you're more likely going to be successful, I would say. But you did bring up one more point that I think is worth mentioning around rewarding and, you know, rewarding people or incentivizing people. People don't just change because, you know, it's easy or they, you know, it change is complicated. Human behavior is complicated. And so I think that it's really important that you think about, or as change leads and change plans, we think about how we can incentivize or recognize people for making shifts. And it doesn't need to be monetary. I'm just saying what, what will kind of move people along this journey? 
And I think sometimes that needs to be thought through a little bit about what's in it for them, the with them, we would always call it. What's in it for them to make this change should be something that's always in the mind and, and clearly indicated in the change plan because that will really help make something stick in the end. And I think we've both seen when that's not there. So there's no reason for doing it. And then, well, why aren't people adopting the change? And well, would you? And, you know, it, yeah. it's, it's, <laughs> And it makes sort of the, the, the challenge of sort of slogging through and, and changing yourself harder when there's no reason why you'd want to do it sort of for your own benefit. So well said. And Jess, thanks so much for being on the Change on the Run podcast. How can people get in contact with you? Thanks, Bo. So great to be here. And I feel like a lot of what I've learned is from you. So I have to give credit. <laughs> Hopefully it's all positive and people perceive it as good advice because <laughs> then you're going to credit for it. But yeah, people can reach out to me on LinkedIn. That's totally fine. I'm always open to conversations and learning and connecting with others. So Great. Thank you so much. And I'd also like to thank our producer, Charlie Buckley, and thank you for listening. And if you have any questions or comments, please email me at phil at changewithconfidence.com. And for upcoming episodes, please subscribe to the Change on the Run podcast available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. And please write a review if you have the time. So until the next time, I wish you all the best as you continue to lead change.